Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show. We've got a great episode for you with some great guests, authors, therapists, well-versed in the Enneagram, very familiar with addictions. It's going to be a really fascinating conversation. Before I toss it over to our host, Ian Cron, I would like to invite you to join the conversation via Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can follow Ian at Ian Morgan Cron, and you can also follow us on at Typology Podcast, T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y Podcast. Also, if you love the show, don't forget to go over to iTunes and give us a review. We really, really deeply appreciate that feedback, and it helps us spread the word about the show. And thank you all so much for your listenership. We do truly appreciate that as well. Hey, that's it for me, Anthony Skinner. And now, here is the host of our show, Ian Crump. Hello, dear Typology friends. Ian Morgan Cron here. I'm delighted to have two of my favorite people on the planet in the studio with me today. And I guess where I should start is by saying, hi, my name's Ian and I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. <laughs> we would be more comfortable, but then, yeah. 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 Right, I'll start there. Hi, I, my name is Ian and I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. Hi, Ian. Hi, Ian. <laughs> yeah. Let's go around the circle, shall we? Uh, yeah. I'm David and I'm an alcoholic. I'm Great. David Hampton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm Nate and I'm a recovering sex addict. Great. Anthony, you got anything good? Chocoholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that okay we'll in, that. In, in, in david's line of work that's called denial <laughs> but we'll we'll return to you in a moment in my line of work that's good for nine visits <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you all about david and, and nate and i could go on forever about them but uh for the sake of brevity david yes you are a an incredible musician with a long and storied past here in, in Nashville. Oh, thank you. Um, and you have, are now a recovery coach. And I, mm-hmm. uh, for those, that, for people who are unfamiliar with what a recovery coach is, can you just tell them real fast? Because I think it's a fascinating uh, vocation. Yeah, it's a credentialed process that actually has to happen. <laughs> so mm. um, you go through um, probably, um, my, my process took me a little over a year of uh, study, and you study everything from the brain and addiction to uh, family systems to whatever, very much like a counseling uh, program, but strictly focused on recovery-based things. And so as long as we kind of stay in our lane Mm. uh, with coaching, but what that is, is basically when people, when people a, uh, believe they might have a problem, which is where we all start. Mm-hmm. You know, I might, I might be drinking too much, but I'm not sure. They usually make a call or someone makes a call on their behalf and they come in and we just begin to talk about uh, what's going on in their lives. And our job is not just, a lot of people think coaching is for me to tell you how not to drink or how not to use or how not to act out. You know, they want my 12 best tips, mm-hmm. and then we're done, right? Right. And it's a real shock when they realize that what we're asking is not why the behavior, but why the pain, mm. you know? And that when we start to unpack addiction, we start talking about anxiety and shame and trauma and connection disorders and things that, that we as addicts all know um, that support that stool of addiction. Um, and then we start unpacking those things, because mm. what we want to know is why... I am believing a false narrative, um, and and I have to numb out in order to be okay mm. or to think I'm okay. Right. And so they come in and realize, and often I get people that I help direct to treatment because um, they do need inpatient, um, or I get people on their way out of inpatient, and I'm part of their uh, continued care program. Mm-hmm. And I work with a lot of treatment centers and nonprofits and am referred in those ways, and so that's kind of how yeah. we keep the doors open with that. Well, you have been uh, a informal recovery coach to me in my journey <laughs> of sobriety, for which I am very, very grateful. You also are an author, and your most recent book, which I loved, uh, mm-hmm. After the Miracle Illusions Along the Path of Restoration, mm-hmm. is fantastic. It's about you know facing the illusions that uh, we have to 
uh, that we encounter mm-hmm. after we become sober, right? Yeah. We, uh, mm-hmm. There are illusions that, like, you know, we have to... We well, have we, to face. Yeah, I thought I was going to get sober and get a parade, and <laughs> nobody seemed to really care about I, that. I, and they were still mm. pissed, and you know, yeah. So, so cleaning up, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I'm so glad you're on today because we're going to be talking about the Enneagram and addictions today, the Enneagram and recovery. And if for those of you who think right now that this show is only for people in recovery from you know, behavioral or substance addictions, you are absolutely Mm. wrong. Because one of the things you're going to learn in in this episode is that there is not one person on this planet who isn't an addict. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Every single person, for our purposes and our discussion, every type on the Enneagram is absolutely an addict. And we're going to explore that. Yeah. And and how all of us can live. Right. In a more sober way. Now, and before I move to you, Nate, I want to tell everybody about your podcast. The two of you have a podcast. That and I, I gotta be honest with you. I have about six or seven podcasts that I listen to. That's mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and I don't even get to all those. Right, right. I have two or three that I don't miss. Oh. One of them is the Positive Sobriety uh, podcast that you two host. Oh, thank you. It honestly, that is really one of my favorite favorite podcasts the two of you together are fantastic (laughs) (laughs) but but the topic is so good about how do we live in the world as people who are sober in a and thinking about it more in a positive way because for a lot of people the idea of sobriety just seems so glum yeah so dreary it's all about not doing something Mm -hmm. instead of recognizing the joy and the freedom and the the, all the wonderful things that come with being free of addictions that are, you know, causing a lot of misery yeah. in, in our lives. Nate, you, in addition to being a, an amazing podcaster, have a book that rocked people's worlds. You have had an impact on so many people's lives uh, titled Samson and the Pirate Monks Calling Men to Authentic Brotherhood. And really, which is a lot yeah. about your journey. Yeah, first half of the book is memoir, yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. Uh, about your journey in the world of sexual addiction. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. At, yeah. In uh, religion and sexual addiction and how they kind of, Oof. one kind of flowed into another for oh, me. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, I'll tell you what, you can say religion and, and there's no telling what's going to come after the, what's going to come after the conjunction, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, uh, right. I mean, that's really, that's really something, isn't it? So. The second half of the book is about? It's it's kind of field manual. It describes, with the help of some of my friends, the kind of fellowship that we established, this kind of safe place for you to bring your real self and say the real truth. Yeah. Uh, you know, a company of guys walking together. Well, we described it in the second half of the book. I wrote it, but with the participation of other guys in the Samson Society, hoping that we could inspire others to start something like our society or something like it mm. oh. and they have mm-hmm. there are i mean i just i meet so many people who are part of groups yeah yeah more than 400 groups have formed so oh yeah wow. yeah man talk about impact yeah and and that's just you know jaw-dropping and wonderful that i mean i just feel so good when i know people <laughs> like you that that you're in the world yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like you are in the world kicking back the darkness mm-hmm. and and helping people to live the lives that they were meant to live. It's just, uh, it's fantastic. All right. Uh, I want to remind everybody, this is a show about the Enneagram. So we're going to do a lot of uh, sort of uh, integrating Mm -hmm. what we know about addiction and Uh uh, the Enneagram for every single type. But I want to start with this. I want you to just tell me, give me a working definition of addiction. Mm. Well, that's a great... um big question a working definition though i mean you know clinically we can go end up when the brain and the you know hijacked limbic system believes that it can't uh function without um being um stimulated in a certain way or you know whatever but um the uh to me it is a false belief that um i am in control Mm. yeah and and i can apply that to anything Interesting. Uh, Nate, what were you going to say? Well, I would say, you know, for me, classic, classic definition is if I continue to do something uh, despite harmful consequences mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and my every resolution to stop uh, comes to nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Well, these are two of the yeah. criteria from the Diagnostic and Statistical sure. Manual, right? Well, which which mental health professionals use for mm-hmm, diagnosing mm-hmm. disorders. And so, for a substance abuse disorder, you know, uh, we could say it's taking uh, a substance in larger and larger amounts, mm-hmm. uh, and for longer than you're meant to, right? Right. right? It's uh, spending a lot of time using or recovering from using substance, right, and mm-hmm. not being able to, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? It's uh, spending a lot of time getting or using uh, uh, or getting over using uh, uh-huh. a mm-hmm. substance. It's having cravings and urgings mm-hmm. to use. It's continuing to use, as you said, Nate, despite the consequences. Right. Uh-huh. Right. And, you know, the way the diagnostic manual handles this, it says, well, if you meet these three criteria, you have a mild substance abuse disorder. If you hit six, you're, you've uh-huh. got a moderate one. If you've got nine, let's say, I can't remember what the exact numbers are, uh-huh. you have a severe one. I, by uh-huh. the way, I have taken this uh, any number of times, <laughs> and, and I have consistently a nine. Yeah. On, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, seriously. Yeah. Uh, uh, as I look back on my own drug and alcohol use, mm, I'm a nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. me too. I hit the nine. Yeah. yeah. You hit the nine. Are you a niner? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ding, and I, I and hit the I, bell. I, I gave that general, more general definition too, because you know if we are talking to a a wide audience who may yeah. sit there and go, well, I'm not a drinker and I don't use and I don't act out in these ways, um, but where do I believe that I actually run the show yes. and that I can't be okay if I don't? Yes, you know. Right. So I would add that to my. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, could we say that um, addiction is just. Um, a maladaptive way of coping with pain. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's it's all pain management. It's yeah. all about pain management, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, illegitimate ways of meeting a legitimate need. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I guess a question I have for you guys as well is: so now, now both of you guys are familiar with the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David, you're a nine. Yes. Uh, the peacemaker. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was there for the, your journey of discovering your type. Yes, you were. You were uh, guiding me gently through the process of believing that that was true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I found out I'm also, aren't I the sweetheart of the Enneagram? You are as the well? sweetheart so of the Enneagram. That made me feel All better. nines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until you're not. Until I'm not. <laughs> uh, so, and then, Nate, you're a three. I am. Uh, the achiever, the performer. Yeah, right? baby. I want to know, based on whatever time you've had uh, as a student of the Enneagram, how has it supported you, if it has, on your journey of sobriety? Oh, that's a very good question. Mm. I came to the Enneagram late, mm. um, but it but it became apparent to me. I've been now in recovery for twenty years. It became apparent very early on that um, not everybody reacts to or, or accepts or seeks uh, guidance in a 12-step recovery, for example. That's mm-hmm. where I got sober was in 12-step uh-huh. recovery. Uh, not everybody um, accepts guidance in the same way. Uh-huh. And, um, and it seemed to me that some of my sponsors, when they treated me the way their sponsor had treated them, uh, they didn't get the desired result. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I needed a very... Sp- I don't know whether it's my, uh, yeah, I need to be an achiever and I needed somebody to kind of see that and call me out on it. Mm. Uh, otherwise, I was just going to spend my time being the star of the show, setting the land speed record for recovery. <laughs> I was, and I was not going to be uh, honest. I just wanted to get the gold star. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to rush to the head of the line. I was going to uh, uh, embellish my story. Mm. Um, yeah, and, yeah. I told you the story. I think once about the the pastor who um, came into AA, <laughs> and he was a three on the enneagram, yeah. and he um, was just a superstar. He had a big, huge church, oh, the whole yeah. thing. And of course, threes have a need to succeed, to uh-huh. appear successful, and to right, avoid right. failure at all costs. Well, right, right. avoiding failure at all costs does not include having your name in the police blotter for a DWI. <laughs> right, 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 right. Right. So the, uh, you know, he loses his job. He, you know, yeah. he has a great big fall. He's devastated, and of course, threes are people who have this remarkable ability to turn failure into success because, of course, they equate success with love. Sure, uh-huh. right. And so, within two weeks, I'm telling you, he was <laughs> the most achieved. 
right. recovering alcoholic in the room. <laughs> yeah. People listened to every word he said because it was brilliant. Right. Yeah. And I thought they were going to make him the like the like the facilitator of the group, you know, yeah, the, right, the, right, the, right, the, yeah. the head of the group, because it was like <laughs> he was fantastic as a recovering alcoholic. He turned into a star, a rock star <laughs> in the recovery world. And I thought to myself, you know, if he'd had a good sponsor, yeah. that person would have said, you may not talk for six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All you can do is sit here and listen. You yeah. may not say a word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I walked into those first rooms, listened for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and I thought, well, hell, I am leadership material. Yes. <laughs> they, yes. <laughs> these people are sick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, totally. And not only that, but you were thinking, you know, I bet you I could write a book about this subject and yeah. monetize a whole new ministry. <laughs> Sorry, Nate. I didn't I, mean to put it that way. Yeah. But it, it took me three years to get sober, and it took finally yes. getting the right sponsor. Right. And I had somebody tell me, you have to get a son of a bitch for a sponsor. Mm. Yeah. And before that, someone I, who's going to see your bullshit, right? Absolutely. Before that, I had people I could spin, mm. yeah, right. Well, yeah. because you guys threes, when they're not very self-aware, are just masters of. They're like running for mayor. Sure, that's right. Yeah, yeah. shaking hands. I'm always in campaign mode. Backs. You can, you bet. <laughs> no, that's funny though. I don't experience you that way. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but uh, because you've grown so. That's much the fruit right of recovery, right there. Yeah. All right, we're going to come back to that. So, David, how about you? Like, how has the Enneagram yeah. supported your journey of sobriety and recovery? Well, it as a nine, yes. um, it helps me understand my conflict avoidant um, nature, but it also um, it helped me connect some dots with what I was drinking at, as bad as that oh. grammar is. Okay, let's but, just stop for um, a second, because I love what you just said. <laughs> what I was drinking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, we could say what I was eating at. Mm-hmm. Or not eating at right. Mm-hmm. What what was I um, loving with love withholding and everything yeah. else at? Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah, whatever yeah. compulsive behavior that people have. Right, we're doing it at something. Sure. Yeah. Right. Continue though. I think yeah. that's fantastic. Well, because I didn't know how to confront, or it wasn't okay. It wasn't legal <laughs> to confront. Right. You know, right. uh, and uh, so I had that going for me. And then the other part of me, uh, you know, I had a, also a real. Uh, asshole sponsor but that he was the best thing that ever happened to me mm-hmm. and um and he was in um political image management and so um <laughs> which was just fascinating and uh and and he it didn't take him long to figure out that I actually didn't intend to do anything I agreed to <laughs> because you know I was I was so good at agreeing and, and, you know, he'd say, okay, I want you to, I want you to read this. I want you to call me. I want you this. And this is how this works. And that was great on paper. Mm. I, and I would say, yeah, I'll do that. That's, that's good. That's great. I'm, I'm in. And then I didn't, I knew when I said it, I didn't, I was not going to do it, (laughs) (laughs) but I, but then I found out as a nine, I tend to probably fit into that. Totally, because what nines do is, of course, disagreeing or voicing your refusal mm-hmm. would cause conflict. Yeah. And so nines, is, there's a little bit of that passive aggressiveness there. Right? Mm-hmm. It's that, yeah, I'm listening to you. You will not be able to see me register disagreement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But trust me, behind these eyes, mm-hmm. I have decided I am not doing this, but I'm smiling yeah. and looking at you like, maybe I will. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. maybe, and, and so, or... A lot of times nines just simply aren't listening. Yeah. They've checked out. Yeah. He got my attention when the first time I met him that, um, and I talk a little bit about this in the book, but he talks about, um, do you want to be sober? You know, do you want to be well, really? Um, And I'm like, yeah, I want to quit drinking. I can't keep doing this. This is not ending well. This is, you know, bad stuff's going on. And um, he's like, that's not what I asked. He said, I asked if you want to be sober. If all you want is to stop drinking, I can't help you. But if you want to be sober, which is examining all the uncharted territory in your emotional self and your belief systems, and we can put everything on the table from Jesus to your marriage and look at it and sift through it and look at your motivations and look where you're manipulating people. If you'll do that, then we can do something. And so, um, and that I agreed to. Um, and I still don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's called grace. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's called yeah. grace. Now, uh, so Nate, let me ask you a question because we, we keep throwing this word sober around. Right. 
and recovery. And we were making the assumption that people who have not spent time in 12-step rooms right. know what that means. I right. think most people would mm-hmm. say it's abstinence, mm-hmm. right? But it means so much more oh, than abstinence, yeah, right? Yeah. So can you just help people understand what sobriety means? Sobriety, to me, mostly uh, means being uh, awake and present in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I spent so many years... Uh, first of all, committed to feeling good and committed to avoiding pain at all cost. Uh, that meant shoving a lot of pain into my unconscious, just out of awareness. Uh, and I, you know, I found ways uh, to uh, manage my mood with, you know, using an instrument attached to my body. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's good because that way you don't have to go out to the liquor store. Later <laughs> night, <do you? laughs> Yeah, David, I know a little bit about those yeah. midnight it was, it was Saturday night runs. Would you <laughs> Saturday night runs before church the next morning. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And when the internet came along, you know, with all that free porn and stuff, in the privacy and anonymity of my home, own home, it was perfect. Oh man. Um. Yeah, but uh, to be able now just to live life on life's terms find joy but not have to have joy at every moment mm. right uh to have the courage to face disappointment and pain to live yeah. through it yeah. uh, and to actually you know show up yeah for an entire 12 hours yeah. uh, i spent my sexual acting out i now understand was dissociative behavior so i spent mm-hmm. the best you know most of 20 years in a dissociated state most of the time right and that's my great regret. Yes. Yeah. My kids were growing up and, you know. Yeah. And you were only half there. I was only half there, at best. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, for me, in my journey, um, I, I can remember saying at one of my first AA meetings, you know, I'd never met a feeling I didn't want to change. Yeah. There you go. And I either wanted to make it bigger or I wanted to make it go away. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, so anything, a stimulant, right, uh, what we might call an arousal uh-huh. uh, addiction, mm-hmm. right? Cocaine, speed, anything like that. Oh, God, give me more. Uh-huh. Something that makes me feel powerful and alive and big and, you know, everything yeah. is shimmery and right? shiny, uh-huh. right, and uh-huh. fantastic. Or I want to take, you know, so many dia- benzodiazepines that I won't wake up for two days. Uh-huh. And, you know, this is very four behavior. So we're going to jump into the Enneagram here. This is for stuff, right? Uh-huh. We, we are our feelings. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is we, we, you know, what was I doing? I was trying to be at the helm of my feelings. I was stuffing the ones I didn't want to have right. uh, and inflating or narcotizing the ones I did want to have. Right, right, uh, right, right, right. Uh, or, you know, kind of, I should say, stimulating the ones I wanted to have, narcotizing the ones right, I right, did not want right. to have. Mm-hmm. And there, to your point, David, is like that's about control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do I control it? And what's interesting for me, and I don't know if other people have this experience, you know, people talk about control drinkers, uh-huh. you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, which is a strange thing to say. It took me a long time to realize that, you know, I, you know, when we say in the first step, admitted that our lives were unmanageable, uh-huh. right? Um, to me, yeah, I never got fired. I never, you didn't either. I mean, right. we, we, yeah. we seemed to manage our lives, though we were crazy behind closed doors. Uh-huh. But I would say that, uh, you know, admitted I was powerless over alcohol and drugs, and my life had become intolerable. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It was intolerable. Right. That was the thing that got me eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I just, I couldn't live in my own skin. Okay, guys, let's talk about Enneagram types and, and addictions. I, I got to tell you, <laughs> Um, I get a, we get a lot of feedback on the Positive Sobriety Podcast, okay. and it's there's no mystery that the number one downloaded episode and the one I hear the most about is yours. Yeah, no, really? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, continue. And, and you took us you took us by surprise. I mean, I I I lobbed you a softball, but I did not expect you to put it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 I didn't give you a warning about it either. I just said. How exactly did we pitch that? It was kind of like, uh, since 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 there are different personality types, people need different kind of help and guidance in recovery. Right. What do the different types need? Yeah. Yeah. And man, you just riffed on that in ways that continue to stimulate conversation discussion uh, around the country. Wow. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, well, are you asking me that question? I now? am. That... Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Do it. Do it. Do it again. If you can remember. I don't know that you can remember what you said, but you killed it. Well, um, let me just say this about addictions. Like, yeah. I, I want to underscore for people that everybody's an addict. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's it's the human condition. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us have ways. In fact, multiple ways. No one has just one addiction. You may have a primary addiction, mm-hmm. but we really are a seething cauldron yeah. of, yes. of addictions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And ways of dealing with pain, and some of it's based in uh, you know our our neurobiology right uh-huh. loops mm-hmm. we can recommend tons of books about what we're discovering now about how the mind works and the arousal centers of the brain and and you know mm-hmm. how addictions can get set up and we all have them uh-huh. right? we all have them it's interesting i think one of the things that makes jesus so interesting is there's no addictions uh-huh. you really i mean there's he has no addictions uh-huh. right and so it just makes him a very i think gives him a funny interesting shimmer Right, you know, uh, right. when when I'm around uh, his words, right? yeah, yeah, and yeah, his presence in 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 my own life, um, and so you know, I think first of all, I think every type on the enneagram has its own particular addiction. So let's put it this way: um, ones have an addiction, a compulsive need to perfect themselves, others in the world. It's a compulsion. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, tell them stop. <laughs> see how that goes yeah. you know how we do that in alcoholism it's like well yeah. tell you what if you're not sure you're an alcoholic just stop drinking yeah call me back in two weeks let's see how it's going <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. and they'll be like i'm not an alcoholic so okay come back in two weeks let me know how you're doing yeah, yeah if yeah. they come back and they're like well i had a dwi and you just like well okay i think we got something to talk about then yeah right? yeah, yeah. Twos have an addiction, a compulsive need to meet the needs of other people. They sort of have a, a codependent quality, right? Mm-hmm. And so really, it's compulsive. It's yeah. reflexive. Yeah. And when they stop it, I'm telling you, this is true for every type. They're going to have to face pain. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I oftentimes ask people, what emotion would you have to feel if you dropped the storyline of your type? Ooh. Uh-huh. What, what, what feeling would you have to feel? Uh-huh. And And... You know, most people come up blank. Yeah. But I and I tell them, well, I, I don't, I can't say for sure what it might be. I can make some guesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there is something down there mm-hmm. that you don't want to feel. Um, for threes, uh, it's a compulsive need to succeed or to appear successful. For fours, it's a compulsive need to feel special or to appear special and and unique. For uh, fives, it would be a compulsive need to gather information and to understand things. Uh, for sixes, it would be to feel safe and secure. It's compulsive. Right? Mm-hmm. It's compulsive. It's uh-huh. an, it's an ad- it has an addictive quality. For sevens, it would be uh, to escape uh, you know pain and unpleasant feelings through uh, planning and 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 having exciting experiences and fascinating ideas and and mm. thrilling to them. Right. Uh-huh. For eights, it, it would be a, an addiction uh, around. Um, needing to assert power and strength uh, over the environment and other people in order to mask weakness and vulnerability. And for nines, right, Mm -hmm. it it would be um, a compulsive need to maintain a sense of inner peace and tranquility Mm -hmm. uh, by, uh, among other things, avoiding conflict at at all costs. Aren't these things compulsive? Oh, yeah. They are. They are. So what does sobriety look like for each of them? That was the question I asked. Mm -hmm. That was the one that really... What does sobriety look like? That's what brought out the gold was that question. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, so how do you become a recovering one or two or five or six, Uh right? Yeah, Uh yeah. How do you get over the compulsive need? Listen, here's what I always say about... Let's dip into spirituality. I don't take it for granted that everyone who listens to this show is a Christian, nor is it a a prerequisite. It's just interest in the Enneagram Mm -hmm. personality. But... Uh, you, the three of us would identify as Jesus people uh-huh. of different stripes, mm-hmm. but you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I think that the moment you start to feel inner constriction or bondage, right? Something, something binding you, uh, locking you, right? Right. The room's getting smaller, uh-huh. not bigger. Uh-huh. Then um, God's not involved. Uh-huh. There's something busted, right? Uh-huh. right. Everything about Christian spirituality is liberation. Mm. From the Exodus on, baby, it starts uh-huh. there. It's mm-hmm. all about the walk to freedom, mm-hmm. you know? And so how does each type find freedom from these compulsions and these addictions, right? Because that's, right. that's what they are. Yeah. 
And and um, and how do we not resign ourselves to a life that's like, well, I'm always going to have a need to meet the needs of others. I'm always, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's not the point of the Enneagram. The Enneagram is here to show you what these unconscious addictions and compulsions are so you can start to unwind yes. the influence and power they, they have over, over your life. In other words, to move into recovery. Yeah. Right. Right. From the worst side uh, of your type. So, well, okay, let's talk about it. I think with, with ones, right? Um, what's what needs to happen is um, to let go of their grip um, on their their resentment. So we, I could actually say that all the passions of each type is our addictions too. Okay. So for ones, it would be resentment or anger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For twos, right, it mm-hmm. it would be pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, for threes, uh, it would be deceit. For mm-hmm. fours, it would be envy. For fives. Uh, it would be avarice, uh, greed is another mm-hmm. word we yeah, might yeah. use for that. Sixes, uh, it would be fear, uh, maybe better said as anxiety. Sevens, it'd be gluttony. Mm. Wow. Uh, for eights, it would be lust, in, in the sense of a lust for intensity, mm-hmm. right? not, not necessarily in the sexual sense of the word. And for nines, right, sloth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the movement towards sobriety for a one would be from serenity to peace. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm always telling ones, you need to memorize the serenity prayer. Yeah. And you need to say it all the time. Mm-hmm. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot perfect. <laughs> the, cur- the courage to change the things I cannot perfect yeah. them, just change them. Yeah. And the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right? Yeah. Uh, so twos, I think the journey is from pride to humility. Mm. And so for twos, it would be, I can't meet the needs. I don't have the resources, the time, the energy, or the money to meet everybody's needs. Right. I just don't have it. Mm-hmm. That's a proud spirit that believes it does. Mm-hmm. And the humility to say, I got needs too. Yeah. And I've got to get, I've got to take care of those mm-hmm. and allow other people to help take care of my needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So for them, sobriety means, well, what are my needs and how oh, do I yeah. get in touch with them? Yeah. Uh, how do I learn to give expression to them without fear that I'll be humiliated mm-hmm. or devalued because I do have needs? Yeah. Right. So for the three, it's how do I move from deceit to honesty? Mm-hmm. Or another way I like to put that is authentic selfhood. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the journey to sobriety then is how do I let go of this mask, this persona, mm-hmm. this compulsion, this right. addiction to success? And and the the way that deceit continues to fuel that, mm-hmm. how do I move into a space of sobriety which is about honesty? Yeah. Right? For fours, it would be how do I move from envy of other people's happiness and, and, and comfort in the world uh, over toward equanimity, yeah, right, to be emotionally balanced regardless of what life throws my way, and not get you know ad- so addicted to my suffering and my feelings, because mm-hmm. fours are addicted to their suffering, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for fives, I'll go a little quicker. For fives, it would be how do I move from the compulsion and the addiction to you know by this behavior of um, uh, avarice, you know, retaining and holding on to what little resources I have to engage with the world to generosity. Sure. So generosity is sobriety uh-huh. mm, for yeah. a five. You know, for, if so if anxiety and fear is your compulsion as a six, then sobriety would be faith. Not courage, but faith. Yeah. Because uh, those are two different critters. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Faith's okay with uncertainty. Uh, mm-hmm. Courage doesn't address that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So for sevens, would be the move from my addiction to gluttony to my sobriety uh, really of uh, what well, we actually say sobriety, mm-hmm. right? To move from gluttony to sobriety, not in the sense of abstinence, but the ability to have singular focus mm-hmm. and to finish what's right in front of you mm-hmm. and to live in a space where this monkey mind isn't running the show and you're running and living in the future, but to actually be present in the moment and not be afraid to suffer. Wow. Yeah. So for AIDS to move from lust mm-hmm. to moderation. Yeah. And I actually would say to innocence. Mm-hmm. So for I think sobriety for an eight is the ability to live with an open heart without cynicism. Wow. Yeah. And that's innocence. Open-heartedness mm-hmm. without cynicism. Mm-hmm. Right? And finally for nines, mm-hmm. to move from sloth to diligence. Mm-hmm. To, to um, stand your ground, reclaim your personal authority, spiritual authority, uh, mm-hmm. uh, every, you know, your moral authority, mm-hmm. personal authority. Yeah. And to individuate. And to become your own person, find your own voice, and let it out. Yeah. So, do you see how those are journeys wow. of? Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. recovery. Yeah. Yeah. That's your next book. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one after my next book, right? <laughs> That's what I was but isn't that fantastic as a way of thinking about these enneagram types yeah. and addictions? 
And so helpful, really. So helpful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope so, right? Yeah. Um, because what we want to do is get these unconscious motivations, which you were talking mm-hmm. about, David. Like, do we want to get them into conscious awareness so that they're no longer running the show? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I was talking to somebody this week, and, and I came out with this word, unresolved preoccupations. Ooh. And I don't know where that really came from. I'm sure I didn't think of it. I probably read it someplace. Mm. But we have all these unresolved preoccupations that um, when I'm engaged in whatever my my thing is, uh, that I don't have to address. Yeah. I don't have to... In, I don't have to... Um, own i don't have to think about you know um and most of the time i don't even know what they are yes because they're kind of unresolved preoccupations right under the surface they're there they're driving they're part of that narrative but i've just heard it so much or i've just or it's so subconscious and and wrote now that it's just part of the script yeah and the enneagram reveals what those preoccupations are Mm mm-hmm you know, uh, in fact, Enneagram teachers actually use the word preoccupation. Sometimes, they, uh, sometimes they'll talk about habits of attention. Mm-hmm. Where does your attention go? Mm-hmm. And everybody's attention fixates on something. Some, uh, like Helen uh, Palmer would talk about fixations. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a fixation on avoiding conflict and on this, you know, all the features yeah. of a nine. And you have fixations around a three. And I have fixations around a four. Of course, what that does is it, it actually limits experience sure. and closes the aperture so we actually miss so many things in the environment because our attention is only riveted on one thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. so that's, it's a good thing to know where, what, what your fixation is because that way you can realize, oh my gosh, as long as my attention is completely focused on this, what am I missing? Well, it's just a ton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, just a ton. Yeah. Mm. The other thing I wanted to say about the Enneagram and, and recovery is I want to speak to sponsors. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know, every person in a 12-step group is encouraged to get a sponsor. This is someone who's usually been in the program six months or more. Is it mm-hmm. six months or is it a year? Yeah, it's about six months. Six months that, that will take you under their wing and help you in your early days of, yeah. of getting sober. I have thought to myself repeatedly, I wish there was a course out there for sponsors to take so they could see when their sponsee was on their way to a relapse. Mm, yeah. What do you think, David? Do you think that's a... What, what, oh, what do you think? I think it'd be hugely helpful because if you know the types that you're working with, you can begin to see them circling back to these old uh, traits, tendencies. I mean, I see it myself. I see it in other people that I that I work with. And, they're, and, and, and um, yeah, I think it'd be tremendously helpful because... Mm. You know, we've all got, when we see us going back to that old way of thinking, you know, you can start to <laughs> set your watch, um, yeah. you know. <laughs> set your watch. Right, call yeah. the liquor store. Tell them you're coming. That's right. That's right. With a big yeah. cardboard it's box. A, stock up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke that Bacardi laid people off when I <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> but that's another story. But yeah, absolutely. I think that. Was that your, was that your drink of choice? Yeah, yeah, rum and Diet Coke. And, and here's the addict mind for you, Ian, you know, in case you aren't a, a, acquainted with it. Um, <laughs> I chose Diet Coke because it was healthier. <laughs> it, had, it had less sugar, you know. And oh never mind that <laughs> Bacardi rum is made from sugar cane. Um, and I drank a whole glass and then poured a little Diet Coke in to give it color so oh no one would give me a hard time. But anyway, gosh. yeah, it was healthier. How many, times in an AA meeting, how many times in an AA meeting have you heard someone talk about pouring whiskey into milk. <laughs> I've heard it about five times. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's beautiful what we'll do. It you curdles, know. but at least you're drinking something with calcium. Well, it, does, it only curdles if you leave it in the glass long enough. <laughs> <laughs> no self-respecting alcoholic would really ever let a glass sit that long. No, no, that's alcohol abuse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Exactly. You know, one of the things that we're modeling for people right now, I hope, is that we're laughing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we are all screwed up. Yeah. It's so freeing to be able to say, you know what? I'm a mess. Yeah. And I need help. Mm -hmm. I need community. Mm -hmm. And I need a sense of humor. And I, I hope that as people work with the Enneagram, that they don't get this kind of, um, dreary kind of what I would call sort of 
glum introspection and uh-huh. I've got so much work to do. Blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I, yeah. sometimes I hear that in people and yeah. it's like, no, I mean, this is a journey that does require serious effort and attention. And there, there is a lot at stake if you don't take this journey, but man, I hope there's a lot of laughter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope you can, ex- cause I just think, I, let me ask you guys a question. When I say the word acceptance, what does it mean to you, Nate? Of acceptance? Yeah. <sighs> well, I, that, to me, that's such a freeing word, just to relax, mm. and take my defenses down, right? and yeah, and accept what is. Mm. Um, yeah. It was that life on life's terms thing you said yeah, earlier, right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I just think acceptance is one of the most powerful spiritual it's a gift you can't manufacture it but no. on another level you can set the table for it right uh-huh. yeah you know and, and and you know increase the probability that it'll yeah. show up as a guest yeah uh-huh. right? <laughs> but but really david to you like what is acceptance this is a great question because i think nate gave such a great answer um and when don't merge with it yeah I, well, i'll try to yeah i know <laughs> Oh, shoot. <laughs> Here goes my tricks. Uh, um, honestly, it's people not pelting me with why mm. when I share something with them mm. or should. Um, it is, you know, when someone extends you acceptance, they go, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. let's go with that. Yeah. You yeah, it's know? interesting when we came when I came in one of the things I said to you two guys before we started recording was I love being with you because I know I could admit anything and yeah. not feel bad. Mm-hmm. Because I know I'm in a room with other people who are self-aware enough to say there is nothing pretty much you could say that I can't empathize with. Right. Because mm-hmm. I am as broken no more and no less than you are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just that so what does that do? It creates an environment of acceptance you can yeah. it's humid you can mm-hmm. feel it in the mm-hmm. air mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so here's one thing i think that every enneagram type should maybe consider doing uh we've done it on our on my porch anthony uh david i think you've been yeah Nate, your porch. you've yeah. been i have had guys I on have. the porch yeah. right and yeah. we have five or six guys get together uh, a couple of them have been intentional enneagram gatherings so mm-hmm. Myself, Matthew Perryman Jones, Don Chaffer, a few other fours mm-hmm. on the Enneagram have gotten on my porch with, they drink bourbon, I watch, but and we, <laughs> we uh, all smoke cigars and talk about our struggles and our victories, uh, our challenges, and our joy mm-hmm. about being fours. Mm-hmm. Right. And see, because I think, like anything else in life, the best way to do the Enneagram to really experience transformation is do it in community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've not heard that talked about much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about personal work. It's like, well, okay, it's personal work you got to do with each other. Right. Because yeah. unless you can talk about the things that uh, are broken mm-hmm. yeah. in your life and the things that are beautiful, yeah. or maybe you can't see what's beautiful and you require someone across the room yeah. to point it out, it has to be done together. Mm. You know? And you know, I, this is where the Enneagram has been very helpful to me as well. It, it, it's helped me to be more accepting of other people mm-hmm. because I can understand more clearly what their motivations are. I would say instinctively for years, I wanted to, if I met a one, I wanted to shoot them on sight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Um, Everyone has a number, by the way, that they, they can just, just point out and say, this is a type that I really struggle with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This perfectionist person, you know, who's always going to, uh, yeah, they're they're going to be a relentless gonna... critic, and yes, yes, yes. right. Mm-hmm. They're going to call me on my stuff, and right, and uh, you know I'm not going to be able to satisfy this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now to see what's going on makes it, uh, uh, and and to see the struggle behind the behavior, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. makes it easier for me to embrace a one. Yes, and yeah. lovingly, if you have enough so- relational capital with them, to say, "Hey, I'm picking this up. How can I help?" Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I agree a hundred percent. Dave, what do you think about this whole idea of the Enneagram and community doing work in community? Well, in, in my world, we call it the neurology of joy. 
Ooh, now we're talking. Yeah, Come on. Because that, and that's what we experience when we're laughing at ourselves, basically. Yes. It's not because, you know, everybody would join us in that that knew us right. in those stages. But that neurology of joy is connection. And yes. that's where we get the empathetic witnesses to our pain. Mm. Um, and it's where we experience joy in community. And we enjoy each other and, I, and become safe. And realize that other people are safe. We experience acceptance, like you talked about, yes. and, and we don't have to hear so many whys and what yes. were you thinkings, and because people in those circles know what I was thinking, because they've used to think that too. You know, I I went to AA, Nate, and this is a little tidbit of I, people may not know, Nate. Um, is the first person I told about my drinking. No, I did yeah. not know that. And he took me to my first AA meeting. Wow. He didn't say they meet at noon down across the street. He wow. he said. Let's go. And because he said, he said, have you ever been to an AA meeting? And I always tell this. I, yeah, I said, why would I do that, Nate? I'm not an alcoholic. I just drink like one. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need AA. And so I thought, you know, and so we went in and I thought we had gone to the Sunday night church people of recovery. Yeah. You know, these were the morose people that were so serious that they, you know, and it was not that. I heard joy and laughter and people sharing the most honest stuff about themselves in that I'd ever heard, mm. you know. And so I, I didn't quit drinking that day, um, but I went back and Nate took me again, you know, because he knew if as a nine, I think, um, if he just told me I would agree to go and I wouldn't. Right. And he also knew <laughs> that you would not initiate the call. And I would not initiate yeah. it, yes. <laughs> so I basically, you know, had to be, uh, you know, encouraged and escorted and I would go out of compliance because at least I could do that. Um, but yeah, it's connection. It's it's the neurology of joy. It's, mm. you know, being in the place where there is enough me too going on that you that you can let your guard down. I Man, I love that Anne Lamott, right? She yeah. talks about, you know, the, the the power of being in a room where you share your brokenness and someone looks back at you and says, Me, Me too. too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And you know, when we arrive at these rooms in AA or SA or wherever it may be, mm-hmm. and people look at us and say, Me too, it's mm-hmm. like because there's nothing worse than believing that you suffer alone. Yeah. Oh yeah. That and, and I, I think I've said this on the show before, but it's it's worth repeating. I just think one of the worst things we can say to somebody is, "I don't." When someone says I'm hurting, you know, say, "Well, you know, I I don't know what it's like to hurt." You know, I don't want to presume mm-hmm. that. You know, I I understand. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 don't tell me that. Yeah. I want you to tell me you know exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. people always say, oh, "You know, I don't." I'm not saying I know how you feel. It's like, no, no, no. no. I need you to tell yeah. me mm-hmm. that within a five mile radius of where I'm standing, mm-hmm. there are hundreds of people who are precisely feeling what I'm feeling at this moment. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if I don't have a witness to my pain, then it's trauma. Mm. Ooh. You know, All right, come on. If I'm alone in my pain, I yes. don't have an empathetic witness, then it's trauma. Yes. So trauma you know. is built on a sense of powerlessness, mm-hmm. uh, feeling like you uh, have no one to defend you, that you're right. with that, that you're defenseless, powerless. And what's the, the other one again? There's a, um, oh, do you remember? Uh, defenseless, powerless. Uh, well, without a voice. Yeah, without a voice. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, and because and, I use the and word... trapped, something like trapped, yeah, right? Yeah. There's no the, way out. I'll use right. the word trauma with people, and they think, well, you know, I haven't... That's a dramatic word. I haven't run through a minefield in Kuwait. I, I, I'm not experiencing trauma. Right. And I'm like, no, you're alone in your pain. That's yes. traumatic. So yeah. let's build some empathy and mm. empathetic witnesses and community and connection. What trauma in your early childhood do you think, beyond disposition and temperament, Right, mm-hmm. which you're born with. Mm-hmm. So there's a nine sort of a thing. Like my daughter came out of nine, I swear. She just <laughs> mm-hmm. slept serenely forever, right? Yeah. She's just so chill. But she, you know, I think she had traumatic experiences early on, like all of us do in different types, that sort of reinforced that nine mm-hmm. uh, survival strategy and personality mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. Can you think back to a trauma that led to your maybe adopting that nine personality style? Ooh. Oh, man. This is good. Um you know, I, um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think how to make this brief. I'm not trying to think of one. I'm trying to how, how to brief, make it brief enough. Um, I grew up in two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a 
um, a working class neighborhood uh, when I was really young and I had a gift of music and my parents were told that they could take me to a university, a local university for a preparatory school of music program. I'd have two piano lessons a week and a theory class a week. And, um, and uh, I did that from the time I was in the fourth grade till I graduated high school and went to college. And, um, and in that world, I had the same college professor for a piano teacher all those years. And she took me to the symphony. She took me to art things. She took me to uh, theater and culture and exposed me to uh, the, the world of, of music that was much bigger than the one I lived in. But in the, in the world I lived in, not so much my family, but the, the, um, the, the, the culture that I lived in, um, it was a more um, conservative religious system. And it was a um, a neighborhood that did not celebrate, you know, the arts so much. And uh, I got this shit kicked out of me mm. as a kid just oh, because yeah. I was different yeah. and because I had an ability. So I used to have to decide if I was going to perform like music for people um, with the front door open and um, let the neighborhood kids hear me practice and risk that or... Um, hide it Mm. and um you know it it brings back a lot of memories but anyway um the the thing that it did was i had to learn to 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 negotiate yes um my myself yes not just my you know exposure as a person that was different yeah but i had to learn to negotiate myself Mm. And uh, so, anyway, I don't know if I answered your question, but no, that's but I what think it's came really up. important because I think bullying is a topic we should do on the show one day. Yeah. Types and bullying. Bullying is uh, a terrible, terrible thing for a child. And I think one of the things a nine can learn in that kind of an environment is learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, because you're a gentle soul. You know, you're not a, you know, I'm, you're a lover, mm-hmm. not a fighter. And, and, <laughs> and, right? I yeah. Mean, and that's you're, you're, not a, you're not by nature an aggressive no. uh, person. And so, you know, you you learn to, th- and I would imagine maybe this is possible too. I mean, you know, if you've got someone leading you around everywhere and probably not asking you, do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like y- you may have, you may not have, but but you mm-hmm. know, no one no one's actually listening to you. What do you want? Right. And and you after a while, you may forget what you want. Yeah. Well, and, no, that very much happened, and drinking helped. Yep. Really. You know. Tell me about that. Well, because I reconciled myself early on. I took my thir- my first drink at 13 mm-hmm. and realized that that was how God meant for me to feel the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand at all what the big hullabaloo was about alcohol. This was amazing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I learned to make peace with the fact that I might not have a voice if I could drink at it. You know? Can you repeat that again? I made peace with the fact that I may not have a voice if I could drink at it. So God and I made a pact early. I pressed pause early. Okay, now you just said two amazing things. God and I made a pact, and what you're describing there is the unspoken contract. Right. Mm -hmm. We make a contract with God unconsciously. I swear we do. Yeah. You know, Uh, uh, and I think every type makes a different contract. Yeah. I -hmm. will meet other people's needs uh, for you. And in return for love, yeah, right. I will succeed, yeah, if the return is love, yeah. Right? And in the process, you know, what does a two settle for? They want love, they settle for appreciation. Mm-hmm. A three wants love, and they settle for admiration. Wow, right? Yeah. Uh, a one, you know, wants uh, perfection, right? Uh, and they don't settle for anything less. <laughs> um, but. but <laughs> Oh ones, I'm sorry, but you know everyone's got to laugh at themselves. We love the ones. Like, yeah, I mean, I could have, I could have said that about fours or fives. I mean, we all have what we settle for. Yeah, yeah. We we all want love, but we settle for something else. Yeah, you know, we we want chicken salad, but we settle for chicken shit. Really. Oh yeah. wow. By the way, we're all using spicy language today because this is a meeting of sorts. <laughs> and in AA meetings or SA meetings or any recovery meetings, you know, right. uh, unless yeah. they say otherwise, uh, you know, spicy language is welcome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so we're we're kind of letting it all hang out today. So for those of you who are appalled. Uh, Stick with us because by the end of it, you'll probably be using the same language we are. Everyone will, you know, everyone will like, you know, go to the bottom with whoever they're with. So, you know, it's amazing in recovery. I saw this trend that as my behavior got better, my language got worse. (laughs) 
that, that's remarkably true. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to say, David? Yeah, well, I was going to say I described AA once. It's, it's like church, only they cuss. <laughs> yeah. right, so, you know. Sometimes, I mean, I have to say, especially in my early days, I'd have said that AA was better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Golly, you yeah. Know, I kind of, yeah. No pretense. Yeah. There was just no pretense. And it, it anyway, look, I, I'm a priest. I love the church. And I, you know, but it's like Augustine said, you know, she's a whore, but she's my mother. You're right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I struggle and love uh, at, this, at the same time with, with church. But let me just make a statement and see what you guys think. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, every type on the Enneagram um, is merely a response to trauma. Hmm. Let me just say that again. Yeah. Type is a response to trauma. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think that flies. Yeah. Especially if if we understand trauma in the broadest terms. I love the way Michael Cusick talks about yes, trauma. Yes, go ahead. Tell him. To say that, uh, you know, it's funny. In the intake forms for if you go to one of his intensives, lots and lots of personal questions. And he wants to know about trauma. And he says that 85% of the people who apply cross out the trauma section and say, does not apply. Ooh, that's wow. interesting, isn't it? So, so, so part of what Michael has got to educate us in is what he calls wounds of absence. So he says oh. that as, as children, we have a need, as infants, a need to be seen, a need to be soothed, a need to be safe, a yes. need to be secure. Yes. And if those needs aren't met, yes. mm-hmm. that's trauma, right. and we are now going to have to find a way to compensate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. There we go. Oh my gosh, David, what do you think? And I got you're just making. I got popcorn going off in my head, but but I want to I want to hear mm-hmm. from you. Yeah, David. I think it goes back to what you say about the, the types and the traits not being about the the traits, but about the motivation. Mm-hmm. And so, definitely, the motivation is to is to cope with either unrecognized or recognized trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, um, we all have three basic. Very, very basic needs as children mm-hmm. and as human, as adults, right? right? One is for esteem and approval. Yeah. Uh, another is for safety and security. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the other is actually for control and um, uh, power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in and, and, and the positive sense of the word. I mean, children need to know that if they cry, mom comes. Right, mm-hmm. sure. They, right. they need to know that. So they have power. They have mm-hmm. control, mm-hmm. right? They, they, I'm going to put it this way. Maybe the ability to impact the environment. Right. Right, and that the environment will respond. That's a need. Sure, it's a basic uh-huh. human need. We all have all three of those. Mm-hmm. Now, for eights, nines, and ones, it's all about this whole issue around power and control. Yeah. For five, sixes, and sevens, it's around fear and it's fear of. So it's all about security and safety. Mm-hmm. And for twos, threes, and fours, it's all about esteem and approval. Oh. So my feeling is, my thesis is. Is that whichever of those you experienced, real or perceived, mm-hmm. the greatest deficit, right, the greatest absence of, right, you will more likely gravitate toward one of those three types. If the disposition and the experience all align, that's where you're heading. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if and that's trauma. If you experience the absence, as you were uh, mentioning early, earlier or when you were with mm-hmm. Michael about Michael. That um, you know, we we probably have a dominant experience yes. of loss or absence in one of those areas, one of those three areas, and so part of our work is for a five, six, and seven is how do I deal with the real or perceived deficiency of security and and about in safety mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. my life uh, for an eight, nine, or one control and power. Like mm-hmm. how do I as a nine deal with my sense of powerlessness? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, as yeah. an eight, how do I deal with my overinflated need for power? Mm-hmm. Uh, as a one, how do I stop internalizing and directing uh, my the power and and control over myself? Because it's all for them. It's all about controlling the instincts. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. For the eights, it's about not controlling them enough. For the nines, <laughs> it's about getting back in touch with them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's about you know uh, yeah. I think going back to the word trauma. Uh, the three sort of hallmark features uh, are powerlessness, the feeling of helplessness, mm-hmm. and the threat of harm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those three, I think, are the ones that mm-hmm. create the triangle of, mm-hmm. of, of trauma. Mm-hmm. So, real or perceived, they're, they're both 
very powerful, and all of us carry trauma. Yes. Yeah. And uh, these addictions of ours or these compulsions of our types are ways of dealing with uh, with those three things. Anthony, what were they again? Hold, hold that up, because you were actually helping me with that. You were just sort of cueing me. Sure. Uh, Powerlessness, helplessness, and the threat of harm. Yeah. Yeah. Powerlessness, helplessness, and the threat of harm. Uh, there's another two that we all, there are two psychological things that happened to us in childhood. Three, actually, but two in particular. One is uh, overwhelmment, which is a, mm-hmm. doesn't exist in the language except in the, in the literature <laughs> of psychology, mm-hmm. but the uh-huh. feeling of being overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the world. Um, another one is neglect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not having uh, practical, uh, essential needs met. And mm-hmm. the other one is abandonment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all three of those are traumas that we experienced growing up. Mm, some sure. more, And some people get it more than others, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. some fair, but some people got steeper staircases to climb. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's just how it is. Wow, we could go on forever, couldn't we? We could. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And I swear to gosh, I could be with you guys all day and just, <laughs> I'm not kidding you, man. Like you're two of those people in my life where I'm like, I just do not tire of being with you, and I just think that's a testimony to uh, the fact that you are remarkable human beings who radiate love, mm, compassion, yeah. brokenness in a way that's positive. Oh. I want to tell everybody, whether you perceive yourself as an addict or not, you have to listen to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Oh, thanks for that. It is wonderful. Wow, there are so many interviews I love on that show. Stephen Lloyd I loved. Mm. Russ Taff was fantastic. Mm. Oh, we were <laughs> very grateful to get yeah. him to talk to us. Yeah, I mean, there are just so many great guests who, who have been on that, that show. I want to encourage everybody here, and you guys will know this. I want you to read the read Russell Brand's book, Recovery. Oh, oh buddy. I have. have you, did, yes. you, did you listen to it or read it? I listened to awesome it. Awesome to listen to. With him narrating, yes. Oh. I, Amazing. I talked to three different guys on the phone today from different parts of the country. All three referenced Russell Brand. They, mm. they, <laughs> you, you told me about it. Right. I read it. I talked about it on the Positive Sobriety podcast. Yeah, and then I, yeah. Uh, it is, I was not a Russell Brand fan before yeah, I read it. Yeah. Right. I was like, you know, uh, eh, meh. Got to have a high tolerance for the F word. Yeah, high tolerance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you have, if you've, if you've already been offended during this show, <laughs> may not be the book for you. This is not the book for you. Okay, but I will say that when I read it, I fell in love with him. Yeah, and, and actually, yeah. I didn't read it, and I always tell people you ought to listen to it because he's the delivery is amazing. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. that is. Have you listened? Have you re- listened to it, Anthony? No, but I listened to his podcast. Well, you have, I like him. Yeah, so. but yeah. you've got to read, listen to the book. Okay, I will. Because his premise is everybody's an addict. Wait a minute. Is this because I said that thing about Chuckaholics? Yes. <laughs> um, but, but. <laughs> well, I see what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> there, he has another one called Revolution, which is not about recovery. Make sure you get the right one. Uh, get right. the recovery title. Yeah. Yes, make sure yeah. you get that. Also, make sure that you get Samson and the Pirate Monks Calling Men to Authentic Brotherhood by my friend Nate Larkin. Make sure that you get After the Miracle Illusions Along the Path of Restoration or to Restoration mm-hmm. by my friend David Hampton. Um, two amazing human beings. What's your, uh, do you have a website, Nate? What's your? Well, they can get me at samsonsociety.com. Samsonsociety.com. And David? Uh, DavidBHampton.com. Okay. And I'm working on a new website right now. That, okay. That will be up soon. And you're a nine. When's it going to be up, David? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the pr- here, progress now. Uh, I had the pictures done for the website yesterday. Nice. Yes, and I've commissioned the web person to do it. So now most of it's out of my hands. So it'll mm. actually happen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. man. Wow. Well, that's, I'm so glad that things are moving along. And I hate to do this because I know you're, you're uh, you know, you're, Date, your dance card is full at the moment, but how do people get a hold of you if they're looking for a recovery coach here in the Nashville area? Uh, I can sure give you my cell. It's 615-642-7054. And like Michael Cusick, I will answer and talk to you myself. Whoa, we will man. Come in. You just gave out your cell number. You're, you're, the, se- you're the only person other than Bob Goff that I know who would just publicly <laughs> I, give out their cell phone number. It, I don't, you know, but... I, I, you got to sometimes take a risk. There you go. So, Plus, you can always change it. Yeah, that's right. right. I can always block them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> which, would be, which would be a very nine thing to do. You don't want to, you know, it's like, it's not, you're not going to pick up the phone and go, screw you, stop calling me. <laughs> Did I say that I don't have any attention of actually answering <laughs> <laughs> this? The, uh, the voicemail of this uh, you know, is full. It's highly confidential. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so confidential, I'm not going to listen to it. <laughs> right. But guys, thank you. Thank you for sharing your lives with the world and with us. And Typology listeners, man, I hope you had the, top, the, same, the same fun that I had during this episode and the enrichment that I experienced. And remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken.